0: and welcome to this Cumberland Lodge podcast on the topic of Faith and Belief 2040. My name's Emily Gow and I'm the Programme Officer at Cumberland Lodge. If you're unfamiliar with us we're an educational charity that tackles social division through dialogue and debate based in Windsor Great Park. Over the past fortnight we've been running our first ever virtual conference and we've been exploring how the faith and belief landscape in the UK might change in the next 20 years and how we can prepare for the challenges and opportunities that society might face as a result. Over four sessions, we've explored religious diversity in the UK, impacts on identity and social cohesion. And in our final session, we explored where moral courage might come from in a less religious society. It feels like such a shame that it's come to an end, um, but I'm so delighted um, to have this last discussion for this podcast before we wrap up the conference. So I'm joined by two of our guest speakers from this week, a very warm welcome to Edwin Shuka, who is on the Board of Deputies at British Jews, and Bushra Nazir, who is the CEO at Draper's Multi-Academy Trust. So thank you both for joining me. Um, before we sort of kickstart the discussion, it'd be great if you could just both introduce yourselves as well and tell us where you're from.
1: So uh, my name is Edwin Shuka. Uh, I was born in Baghdad, Iraq, and spent my childhood there. I arrived to this uh, country in 1971 as a refugee asylum seeker, and I've been there since. I'm a businessman, and a few years ago, about three years ago, I decided I'd like to pay service to my community and to my country. So I uh, applied and for election, and I was voted in as uh, Vice President of the Board of Deputies of British Jews. I consider this as a service and an honor and I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much, Emily. The conference was absolute delight.
2: Hey, I'm Bursha Nasser. Um, I'm CEO of Draper's Multi-Academy Trust, which is a group of four schools and I have the privilege of leading that school. Prior to that, I was a head teacher for 20 years and um, 18 years as a classroom practitioner. It's wonderful that I've had this uh, passion for education and I have been able to use that in terms of helping young people and I was very humbled to be invited to the conference as one of your speakers and um, share my experience about young people.
0: Lovely, thanks both of you, that's great. And um, So Ed we're going to start with you and um, you spoke in our session on Tuesday about social cohesion um, so I wonder if you could uh, share with us your views about the importance of faith groups in, in building social cohesion.
1: Yes, I spoke about what the late great chief uh, rabbi Jonathan Sachs sums up in very few words what I wanted to talk about. Basically, he made a distinction between face to face interfaith work and side by side interfaith work. And that sums up what I wanted to say. Face to face is when we sit. Uh, together, each person representing his religion, we share the, the holidays. We talk about this is me, this is what I do, this is what I stand for, and I'd love to hear about what you do. Side by side is actually working together as partners, social action for the good of the community. And both of them have got a place and a space, but I am now talking about the second one the side by side and gave two examples of projects that i'm involved in that worked brilliantly in explaining that particular concept so one of them was invest in peace whereby we tackled at the board of deputies the issue of uh, israel palestinian conflict the way we did it we actually partnered with a church and we're going to be partnering with a mosque and says we are, we're not part of that conflict, but we are partners. So the preparation work for the event where we actually meet an Israeli and a Palestinian, we prepare for it together. And we found out that that part was the most important thing altogether. For months, the two communities that probably live in the same city have not met before, are sitting in their own bubbles. And now they are preparing food they're preparing chairs, they're preparing advertising. By the time the event comes in, we were partners. It didn't matter what the event actually produced, because we then made Friendship for Life. And the other one I wanted to mention was Mitzvah Day, because this is Mitzvah Month this year, and Mitzvah Month means every Jew or Jewish organization or synagogue would go out and team up and partner with a non-Jewish organization. And work together on a social action thing. So this year, on food banks or, or on creative work. And again, the incredible thing is not really just the food that you bring to the food bank, but it's the eternal friendship made between uh, faiths, uh, and that lasts for a very long time. Edwin, you're, it's wonderful that you're
2: describing really what schools are trying to do in a in a multicultural environment. And if I can give the example of my school, which was in a East London, a very large girls school, 1,400 girls. And we used to have a number of different projects to actually help that understanding, because I think young people are our future and if we get the education right in our schools then we've got young people who are then going out to society a lot more skilled. So we used to have obviously you know the different cultural days celebrated going from Christmas to Diwali to you know uh, Guru Nanak's birthday to Eid and so on and you know the iftars that we used to have used to be open to everybody, Diwali programs used to be open to everybody in the students so they got an experience or what it was like to be in the other person's shoe and and celebrate things together but hand in hand with celebration was we also used to organize what are called um actually separate acts of worship very few schools in the country do it we actually had separate christian hindu sikh muslim assemblies led by faith leaders which then allowed those children of that faith to attend, but we allowed other children, if they wanted to find out about Christianity or Judaism or whatever, to come along to those assemblies to actually to learn Mm -hmm. and having uh, an RE curriculum that was actually comparative as well. So you learnt about abortion through the eyes of different faiths. You learnt about life after death through different faiths. So all those different initiatives, I think, um, can actually help increase that understanding that respect that tolerance that sadly is lacking um and we see it around all the time you look at the media and you pick up the conflict but i do think you know the interfaith work that you've described and the projects happening in schools really do give me hope for the future
0: Yeah, I agree. I think all, they all sound like brilliant initiatives um, to really yeah. help people sort of understand and respect each other and, and each yeah. other's cultures and differences. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, Bushra, I'll come to you again, if you don't mind. Um, you spoke at our session yesterday on moral courage. So I was wondering if we could sort of tie that in and maybe explain yeah. what, what moral courage means to you and, and how religious education can help young people build resilience in this space.
2: I think for me, moral courage is having that confidence to be able to express your views and to be able to listen to other people is very, very important as well. But having that strength of character and that intelligence to be able to um, explain what, what you're feeling, sometimes in times of conflict, when people may not be able to agree with you and so on. And, you know, when you feel that resistance as well, to have that strength to do it. And I think for me, that comes from a belief and a knowledge that you're on the right path. And, you know, young people in schools need to be grounded in their own values. And some of that, I'm not saying all of it, it comes from school and from the home. And that moral courage can be driven by subjects in the curriculum like RE I actually believe that Ari has got it's the only subject in the school where actually your personal beliefs are really explored in a very um, open way with with the teacher and and with the with the other other children and so on so where you know you can discuss your own beliefs and also the beliefs of others and if we're coming from a point of understanding, then I think you can develop your children's ability, one, to understand their own beliefs, but also understand other people's beliefs. And what I've found in schools, actually, when people do things like world religions or comparative religions, they find there's more similarities than there are differences. And unfortunately, what everybody tries to (laughs) portray are the differences between different faiths. And, um, you know, to have that unity And yes, it's it's like a tree with lots of branches, you know, actually the core of lots of religions is exactly the same, but it's the branches that are manifest, uh, you know, in a a very different way. So I think it does, um, you know, exploring those and having, you know, children have that grounding in their own faith um, will help that resilience and moral courage in terms of um, being able to explain their own beliefs um, I'll give you a very simple example. In, uh, I went to a grammar school like you, um, Edwin. I came to England when I was eight years old, went to a grammar school at the age of 13, and I was the only Muslim child in the school. So when it came to lunch, uh, they would ask me, oh, Bushra, are you not coming to lunch? I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm dieting today. I didn't have the confidence to be able to say that i'm you know fasting i the girls wouldn't if i understood what ramadan is about our re lessons were totally about christianity we didn't explore anything about others so that's a very simple example of how important the re curriculum is in terms of understanding and you know helping people but also exploring other faiths so you know, you develop that self-confidence and that self-belief. I didn't have the moral courage to be able to explain I was I was fasting, and it was a religious belief. Um, I hope now we move forward uh, in society that we can actually do that.
0: And what about um, in 2040? I mean, the theme of the conference was looking ahead. How do you think that these, these things will change over the next 20 years?
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'm I'm an optimist, uh, Emily, <laughs> and I, I
0: really and I am a very
2: optimistic about young people because i wouldn't be in education if i didn't have that and um i think with uh, the changes that are happening the covid experience is quite it's going to be quite a catalyst for change for us that we are all independent on each other you know you were not uh, in one little bubble you know we're dependent globally like everybody's looking at the vaccines at the moment, Uh, we're depending on vaccines from other parts of the world and so on. So if education is right for young people, and it's to do with the curriculum and standards, but also character building, you know, projects are happening right across the country with mental health at the moment, because this COVID has affected people's mental health. Let's look at the whole child, Yes, we want them to get their A-levels and GCSEs as well. Very, very important. But we want to be confident young people who then can change society. And there are a lot of challenges ahead. And, uh, you know, I think with good education and education that's grounded in values, I think, you know, 2040, you know, hopefully in our own lifetime, we'll be able to see some of those changes. If we look at education where it is now to where it was 20 years ago, Look at the development of IT, how that has actually transformed. Access to information for children has totally changed. It's not just the teacher teaching. You know, they've got so many other avenues to gain information and access. So I think we need to move with the times. But I do think, you know, character education, really looking at the big issues, you know, that are facing us, um, like the environment like you know, um, you know the issues to do with globalisation are going to be very much part of what schools should be tackling.
0: Uh, yeah, thank you so much um, to, to both of you uh, for taking part. Um, I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap things up. And um, you can find out more about our Faith and Belief uh, 2040 project on our website. Keep an eye on our Read, Watch, Listen page for blog posts written by our scholars and our Cumberland Lodge report, which will be published very soon. The report will sum up all of the key themes and takeaways um, from the virtual conference. You can also find out about our other work and upcoming events on our website, cumberlandlodge.ac.uk, including our free webinar series, uh, Dialogue and Debate, where we discuss pressing topical issues in society with guest speakers, and they take place on a monthly basis. So thanks very much um, to my guests, Edwin and Bushra, and thanks everyone for listening.